0: For the Life of the World is a production of the Yale Center for Faith and Culture. For more information, visit faith.yale.edu.
1: We are all the kind of people who rightly are not fully finished with ourselves. The kind of people who cannot establish their state of their full agreement with themselves on command or through some psychological trick. Because a full agreement with oneself is neither given nor within our power to achieve. We need to have patience with ourselves. Those who are patient are patient with their impatience. Serenely, they let go of the final agreement between who they are and what they aspire to become. We see that letting oneself fall into the silent incomprehensibility which is God succeeds because God receives in grace those who let themselves fall into serene patience with themselves.
0: This is For the Life of the World podcast about seeking and living a life worthy of our humanity. I'm Evan Rosa with the Yale Center for Faith and Culture. This is that time of year when the little demon of self-criticism and self denigration wakes up and starts nagging you for letting your New Year's resolutions slip just a little. Or, you know, maybe you're not there yet. You know, you're powering through. You're waking up early. You're working out hard, you're eating right, you're learning piano, you're reading more, you're landing kickflips, you're calling your mom, you're handwriting letters, you're hitting your sales targets, you're not screaming at your kids, you're doing yoga, you're beating Super Mario Brothers in less than eight minutes, you're not drinking soda, you're cooling it on the sweets. you're focusing more on self-care, you're running a sub-four marathon, you're looking at your cell phone less, you are living your best life. And hey, good on you. Go get it. But regardless, whether you find yourself nailing it or failing it, do you have the patience and the necessary courage to accept yourself at every moment that you try to improve? This week, Ryan mcanally Linz and Miroslav Wolf discuss an obscure but incredibly timely passage from an old lecture given by the great Karl Rahner, the German Jesuit priest and one of the most notable Catholic theologians of the 20th century. He was instrumental, for instance, in the theological developments of the Second Vatican Council. Miroslav once heard Rahner give a talk about patience and has passed along the wisdom of that lecture, and now we're passing it on to you. Miroslav even translated a passage from the German text, and he reads it in this episode. You can also find that in our show notes. In this episode, Ryan and Miroslav reflect on the gap between who you are now and who you aspire to be. The need to keep that tension alive, working and bearing with your limitations and exploring the freedom of a serene patience with oneself. Serenity, it's important to note, is not acquiescence to vice or bad habits, but it represents a courageous, long-term peace with your imperfections, an effort to recognize oneself as rooted in divine love and grace and acceptance, even as you pursue a vision of a better self. Enjoy.
2: Hey, Miroslav. Uh, happy New Year to you. It feels like we've been in 2021 a lot longer than we have. Some some things have been going on these first couple of weeks of the year, uh, but but how's it treating you?
1: Well, Happy New Year to you uh, as well. It feels like we haven't left 2020, uh, and, 20, and I, I hope we'll shift gears at, at one point. Yes, many, many, uh, troubling things have happened but otherwise apart from that uh, uh really well actually
2: did you make any new year's resolutions not really uh, <laughs> <laughs> see i think that may have been wise of you i i, I never make official uh, new year's resolutions but i have a habit i think of of kind of sliding some unofficial ones in um so that i can i don't have to say i failed at them when i do but for instance this year i was i was pretty convinced i was going to spend less time reading the news online uh and then then january 6th happened and that that all kind of fell apart and i get the sense that we're at that time of year when a lot of us had grand designs for this new period and are starting to feel the frustration and the disappointment of those grand designs starting to fall apart. And um, that got me thinking about the story that you sometimes tell about um, when Karl Rahner, the, the great theologian, came to, uh, to tubing into lecture when you were a student. Would you, would you mind telling that? Yeah, no, I I often remind myself of
1: that uh, experience that I've had, uh, even when I don't make some grand decisions uh, as uh, those are for, uh, as New Year's resolutions tend to be, uh, but even smaller uh, decisions that I can't quite uh, uh, keep. So when I was a doctoral student, it was in the early 80s in Tübingen, it was announced that um, the great famous uh, Catholic theologian jesuit uh, who had played this um, outsized role during the second Vatican uh, Council and who's written this um you know extraordinarily complicated uh texts uh, some of you uh, uh listeners might 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 try and open some of his uh, especially more uh technical uh, pieces um and you, you'll see what I, what I mean. So he was announced to be coming to Tübingen to give a famous uh, lecture, um, Leopold Lucas uh, lecture. And we were all excited about this. And then I was passing through Tübingen and I saw an advertisement and it, says, it said they read, the advertisement read, intellectual patience in itself. And I was kind of startled and puzzled and talked also to some of my some of my friends. And we all thought, well, what does intellectual patience in itself means? We know that Rahner is a really complicated thinker and that he takes up those these deep topics, but but the essence of intellectual patience. And so we were all impatiently waiting for his lecture. And when the great man arrived, he started his lecture by saying, "You know that, that there was a, there was a bit of a um, mistake in, in the transmission of my t- title i 'm actually going to speak about intellectual patience with oneself now that's a more difficult mistake to make in uh, English than it is in german in german it's, uh, it it would go intellectual patience in itself in sich selbst." And intellectual patience with oneself would say, mit sich selbst. Uh, And that's what happened. And so he proceeded then to talk about intellectual patience with oneself. That's the very end of his uh, career. He was in his very early 80s. I think a year after that, he would die. Uh, He is looking back at his life, this great intellect, and... Needs feels that he needs to have patience uh, with himself intellectually, but also uh, I would say in this text uh, in other ways uh, as well.
2: So how how was the lecture? Do you remember much about it? (laughs) Not
1: not actually, not actually very much. As a matter of fact, I I had to uh, recently dig up the lecture. In order to remind myself what uh, what was being said, and as I was, as I was doing this, I realized it was not translated into English, so I translated a little portion of it and a portion that uh, that doesn 't deal with intellectual patients, intellectual patients uh, uh, with oneself but more generally with patients with oneself a few introductory uh, remarks that he makes at the very beginning. And so let, let me just uh, try and read you that text. I hope I, I'll, I'll do justice to it, reading it, because it's a fairly complicated uh, text. Um, and you may need to listen to it uh, twice uh, or three times to, to get what he was after.
0: Just a quick introduction to say that the passage goes for about six and a half minutes. And if you're interested in reading along, you can find it in its entirety in the show notes.
1: So here it goes. That we need patience with ourselves seems to me a self-evident thing. In fact, one of those self-evident things which in reality turned out to be difficult to achieve. Perhaps there are people who don't think they need patience with themselves because they are in full agreement with who they are and what they do. But I hope that we will not envy, in quotation marks, the good fortune of such simple-minded people. If we are honest with ourselves, we are all the kind of people who, rightly, are not fully finished with ourselves. And also, the kind of people who cannot establish their state of their full agreement with themselves— on command, or through some psychological trick. Because a full agreement with oneself is neither given nor within our power to achieve. We need to have patience with ourselves. The person in us who we actually are greets with pain the person in us who we want to become. We are now on the way, we live between the past and the future, and both, each in its own way, are out of our full control. We never have all things together which we need to live. We are always historically conditioned, socially manipulated, biologically threatened, and we are aware of that. We can try to suppress the knowledge of this state of existence. We can try to let things that we cannot change just be there as third elements in our lives. Or we can misuse joyous experiences of life as analgesics against the uncanny tensions between who we are and who we should be. Or we can interpret these dissatisfactions as depression, which we either simply have to suffer or which we can medicalize ourselves against. But when we must master courage to face these tensions between who we are and who we aspire to become, when we acknowledge them and accept them, Then we come to have patience with ourselves, to accept that we are not in pure agreement with ourselves. Many believe that they have patience with themselves and that this patience is the most ordinary of things. But if we look at such people more carefully, we would see that they do not take on patiently the pain of their tensions. That they don't face them without either embellishing or hating them, but that they flee from them into the banality of everyday life. That what has triumphed in them over these tensions is an unrecognized despair or despairing resignation that they in the end believe that life has no meaning we would also see that they do not actually have patience as they behold the questionableness of their existence, but are seeking to look away and find surrogates for patience, which they believe make it possible for them to live. Those who are truly patient endure in reality their existential tensions, take them on, accept the pain they cause, Those who are patient are patient with their impatience. Serenely, they let go of the final agreement between who they are and what they aspire to become. They do not know where this serenity in which they let themselves be comes from. Those who are patient are serene and therefore free we will not further explore the question about what is this that we ultimately fall upon when practicing such serene patience. I'll repeat, some people think that the stance rests on nothing. Resting on nothing, they can be victorious over these conflicts of finite realities in their own lives. Others are persuaded that that nothing when one gives it its proper sense, is of no use, that it can have no power to give peace. Instead, they believe that when we serenely accept our tensions between who we are and what we aspire to become, then, whether we are aware or not, we have come to rest in what, in everyday use of the word, we call God. And then when we really understand that word God, we see that letting oneself fall into the silent incomprehensibility, which is God succeeds because God receives in grace those who let themselves fall into serene patience with themselves.
2: Wow, that is that's a really striking passage. Um, but like like you said, it's it's pretty dense. Um can I see can I see if I got what the gist of it is? So Ronner's noting that there's there's who, who we actually are, who we find ourselves to be, and there's a generally a gap between that and uh the person we aspire to be. Uh what our hopes for ourselves as human beings are, right? Yep gap itself is almost
1: like a um ineliminable feature of our very human existence
2: right so so to be human is in some sense to aspire to something and and the very structure of aspiration is that it it means that you're not there yet
1: Yeah, And and there are also obstacles that we, as human beings living in social kinds of uh, setting, being biologically conditioned, cannot have full control of ourselves so that we can in steady step uh, move forward toward kind of achievements of some kind of preliminary unity with ourselves.
2: So this idea of patience with ourselves strikes me as really quite timely and 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 important um, I don't know about you, but I feel not only the inner tension between who I actually am and who I hope to be that that painful meeting, but also a sense that that there there are tons of external pressures to constantly be getting better i actually at, at a gut level, I kind of feel the idea of patience with myself as. As threatening, like somebody who's patient with themselves is is not going to improve, is going to fall behind, right? That that like won't meet the imperatives to growth. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think what Rana is trying to to say here is to distinguish between complacency, um, a, a kind of um, contentment that leaves one always in the same place where where they are, uh, or what he calls resignation and patience. Uh, and the kind of complacency or resignation has given up on what he sketches as being two poles of our uh, our existence, of, of patience. Uh, um, there is this tension, and it's this tension between who we are, who we ought to uh, become, that we cannot give up, that patience doesn't give up on. Um, if you give up on, on that tension, you end up either in narcissism or in resignation. Right. Uh, but or in some false um soothing uh, experiences, joy that uh, paper over uh, the, the discrepancy. But I think what, what Rana is saying, patience actually takes seriously and endures the tension, uh, wants also this hope and the goal, but realizes in that in wanting it it cannot have it fully. So I would say as, as I had a very good friend in Germany who used the word often as we were writing a dissertation and struggling and would never get it exactly right, that then he would always uh, exclaim, Mut zur Unvollkommenheit, which is uh, courage to imperfection. And I think in some ways that's what uh, Rahner is after, uh, to, to be courageous, to be imperfect while recognizing the imperfection of it and therefore uh,
2: you know, living in that tension. Imperfection, I think, requires a like an exceptional amount of courage these days. I feel like we're surrounded by curated selves online in the media in lots of our interactions with each other. I'm thinking right now of, you know, what what does your Zoom background look like uh, when you're uh when you're interacting with people online now? Do you have the right books? Do you have the right furniture? Uh right, there's there's room raider um going around and and judging these sorts of things um and it's because because an image of perfection is relatively easy to construct in a sort of mediated environment the sense that one is imperfect feels all the more threatening and crushing and to 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 own up to it and to to embrace it and and go for it, that really does feel like it would require a lot of courage, yeah, and in some sense almost uh our, our selves
1: have, are increasingly becoming public selves right yeah self is not a, a a private or even in a small circle of of friends, people who uh see our imperfections but know us in a, in a um, a much more deeper and more a uh, f- fuller uh, way, with, with a greater deal of of, of detail and profile, um, and uh, instead we are in this very fleeting relationships, and, and there you must appear in a certain way, otherwise you're going to have there's going to be a um, a bad impression that you're going to leave, and yourself's going to be undone because of uh, because of that. You will exist as warped version uh, of, of yourself. And I think that pushes us, um, especially in competitive situations, to uh, kind of not want to uh, have courage for imperfection, to make sure that everything is as perfect as it can be, so that you have this competition of perfections, (laughs) almost. Um, It seems like it's a a recipe for depression.
2: Yeah, there's always that kind of aching knowledge that um, even if other people are are buying the picture of yourself that you're selling is not actually true yeah um the perfection doesn't go all the way down yeah and that
1: tomorrow you're gonna you're gonna uh, you're gonna have to keep um constantly producing the sham image of yourself you know that it's not true of yourself uh, and nonetheless you're producing it Uh, and it seems like that there's something really deeply um uh untruthful not not in the, in a sense that uh, so, so much in a sense of a kind of a deliberate lie but kind of discrepancy about your knowledge of the self that that must be um hard to maintain actually and hard to endure
2: so we need we need courage now to public imperfection the the courage to not be to not curate ourselves quite so closely um but that again it feels it feels threatening yeah and the, and the question might m- might be
1: uh whether we need because because there's such an such a shift in terms of our own self-perception of who we are uh toward the public side of things whether we don't need to kind of to to um cultivate a, a sense of um a, private, small-scale um, self, which uh, w- w- which we can much more rely on and can be much more predictable. I mean, I would want to invoke here uh, an idea that, that our true worth and who we are, our true self, is secured in, in, in truly being loved and being loved by God and not into performing ourselves into perfection so as to receive uh, the kind of acceptance. And it seems to me that that kind of practice um, will take us closer to where Rahner wants us to be, namely then think in terms of patience with oneself as a loved one who wants to move somewhere and is accepted. This is what, how, he, how he ends with this grace of God. Then we can live with imperfection. Uh, while at the same time being secure, being uh, knowing that we are accepted as we are.
2: Yeah, and it's a, it, and that that allows a kind of living with imper- imperfection that is not complacent. It doesn't require that you get to perfection in order to be accepted, but it's not a kind of acceptance that. Just excuses the gap um, between the actual and and the hoped for that excuses say uh, in theological terms sin uh, but um, but accepts antecedently and then and then upholds in the in the process of working with and through the imperfection is that right?
1: yeah that's i think that's a very good way to to put it and i would say if we if you release ourselves, if we let if we somehow let the um let of the grip of the performed self uh loose and release ourselves from that it doesn't uh throw us back to complacency it sets us on the road of not so much self performance, but performance of things that redound to the good of the self and that actually improve the character and of the self and the environment in which the self uh,
2: lives. So, if you were to if you were to try to sum up for for the person who's currently facing the disappointment of a New Year's resolution that's already gone south, the implications of, of Rahner's insight here what would you say? Like, what would your practical advice be?
1: Uh, that's a very good, very good question. You, you know, I, generally when people ask me that, I'd say, uh, this is beyond my pay grade. I, I I think about these things. I don't give advice about these things. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but that would be certainly a cop-out uh, in this case. And in many other cases, it, it is uh, a, as well. I mean, I suppose what I would say, uh, I would want to step back and, and think, uh, What are these tensions that we have? How significant they are? First, we have this kind of performance self versus a beauty of the character self, right? And if I invest uh, all of my energies into this performance uh, self, I would say, well, uh, reflect on which self really um, uh, you want to nurture, and uh, in, in which self do you want to invest? And then the second uh, thing, which I think uh, comes out of Rahner, don't give up on this tension. Tension is really important. Uh, the, the Tension uh, can be, of course, debilitating, um, but tension been, can be also creative. How do you get to this creative uh, tension? Uh, I think you get to this tension by, this is Rahner's insight, by By throwing yourself or, or discovery uh, discovering that, that you are already held by by the grace of God, and therefore that all your performance is not a gain or loss of the self you're always already gained, but all your performance is for the beauty of that very uh, of that very self uh, with which God has endowed you
0: at this point in the conversation, I jumped in with a question about pressure to conform quickly or to change oneself quickly as opposed to a more unhurried and accepting form of self-improvement so the, the thing that struck me about this whole thing from Rahner is patience especially construed as a form of waiting it's not always uh construed that way um but it but it can be it's not acceptance of our current selves as final but it's a kind of maybe unhurried or confidently slow approach to where you're at in process. And that is just a markedly different recommendation to a person who is normally on a cycle of constant and hurried pressure to improve and to perform and to um, conform, perhaps. One, it's questionable as to whether that strategy would ever work at all. And two, it wreaks havoc on their emotional life and spiritual life. So, so you know, but, but
1: I guess what it triggers in me is, is a thought that uh, what, what Rahner so, I think, uh, importantly underscores is the limits that we as human beings all have. Uh, and there are limits of various, various kinds. And we live in this uh, society, optimistic society, in which uh, per- perhaps America is one of the most uh, optimistic in this this regard, in which you're told that you can become anything y- you want. Uh, and that seems like from perspective where Rahner sits, that this is a, just a ideology. This is a pure falsehood. Um uh, given to to motivate you to do a little bit better than you otherwise would, but is leaving you with this constant expectation of a uh, uh, constant experience of being a, a failure because you cannot do that. And runner, what runner does, it lets he lets you sit with the limitations that you as a biological, as a socially conditioned. Uh, uh, being squeezed between different uh, uh, needs uh, and values and expectations can actually uh, accomplish and uh, encourages you to keep the tension alive, but to recognize those limitations of oneself and work with, with them rather than simply assume that they're not, and then get disappointed when you find that you can jump over your own shadow.
2: Yeah, the really freeing thing is the sense that you're, you're your very self, you are not at stake, um, that that you are already, I think, Marisol, you maybe use this language, established or grounded uh, in the love that God has for you. And that's outside of any sort of achievement or uh, improvement that you might make, such that the limits no longer seem... Like disastrous or or potentially devastating, they're there, and they're um they're to be worked with um not to be hated or abhorred um even though I mean I don't know if that it doesn't necessarily lead to a sense that that you just have to embrace them and love them <laughs> um but that they're to be born with uh right they're to be taken patiently
1: yeah i think that's a very very good way to to put it which which is an uh a, a other way of putting um recognition that uh of one's own uh, what I, I i'm not i'm not divine <laughs> i i'm i'm human and in this fragility in this uh impotence of being human nonetheless Realizing uh, human beauty, uh, I, I think that's to me what what, what ends up being so beautiful uh, with runner without without at all. As you, I think rightly rightly point out, without uh, even wanting sometimes to remove those limit limits, or when opportunity arises to remove the limits, going ahead and and, and removing them, removing them cheerfully, willingly, and even sometimes uh, eagerly. Uh, all of that, without uh, kind of compromising uh, what he describes in this in his text as serenity, the serenity of the patient self in his sense, patient self, which is again not acquiescence uh, either with oneself or with the circumstances, but there's kind of a serene way of engaging them uh, as one moves um, being enveloped by divine uh, di- divine care
2: yeah Now it just struck me that our conversation so far has been really focused on the self uh, I mean it, it makes sense we we're, we're talking about patience with oneself, but it just struck me that this isn't it's not navel gazing though um it's not it's not insular or turned in on the self because so much of our impatience with others. Stems from this really broken way of relating to ourselves and our and, and our lack of patience with ourselves. Uh, yeah, of course, I mean, it's a very good point. <laughs> of course, those sort of those sort of statements are almost always autobiographical, right? So, so I'm I'm saying so, something along the lines of, "Wow, I, I think if I had more of this kind of serene patience with myself." Um, I might also have more patience for my children, and I think that would be a good thing.
1: Yeah that that's that seems to me that seems to me right. Uh, kind of the, there is a patience with others, and impatience with others is is uh, in many instances can be a moral failure, uh, lack of recognition of their own uh, limits, of their own paces uh, of development, uh, and so on so that the kind of two kinds of impatiences are not that uh
2: or impatiences are not that unrelated because if i'm so oriented around overcoming my own imperfections uh that the whole my my whole life and the whole world kind of become means to that end um it's really easy to to demand the utmost of every everybody and everything around me all the time and I, yeah i just think that there's uh, there's something to be learned from taking this runarian stance towards yourself, that might then diffuse out into our relations with others. Well said. Well, um, let's not try the patience of our listeners too much. I think I think this has been a really helpful conversation for me. Thank you, Miroslav.
1: Oh, thank you, and uh, yeah, we should do it more often.
0: For the Life of the World is a production of the Yale Center for Faith and Culture at Yale Divinity School. This episode featured theologians Ryan McAnally-Lins and Miroslav Wolf. I'm Evan Rosa, and I edited and produced the show. For more information, visit us online at faith.yale.edu. We Produce a new episode every Saturday, and you can subscribe through any podcast app. We're grateful that you're listening to this podcast. We're passionate about making this work consistently accessible to people who are genuinely concerned about the viability of faith in a world wracked with division, contested views about what it means to be human and what it means to live life well. If you're in a position to support our show financially, please consider partnering with us. We rely on the generosity of individuals like you to make our work possible. And if you're not, Please continue listening and engaging the content. Let us know what you're interested in. We're grateful that you're listening. But if you can give, if you're truly passionate about supporting podcasting, that's all about pursuing, really living lives that are worthy of our humanity, then consider a gift to the Yale Center for Faith and Culture. Visit faith.yale.edu slash give. It's our joy to bring these shows to you. We'd invite you to bring that same joy in supporting this work. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll be back with more next week.